0: Hello everyone. It's Dan. Before we begin the episode, I just wanted to let you know about an error that I made. I refer to the drummer for Toto, Jeff Porcaro as Steve Porcaro, which is a big mistake. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Brothers in Song, friends and neighbors. How are you today, Joe? I'm doing great, Dan. We're in this New England summer where it's like 95 degrees one day and 50 degrees today. It's kind of like, yeah. It's just par for the course, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> that's just how we that's just how we do it, you know. Yeah. 90 yeah. degrees, then the temperature drops 40 degrees. <laughs> You know, I had. It's fine. This is fine. (laughs) I had somebody. I was. I I like was talking to somebody, and she's like super into gardening. She's like, "Listen, whatever you do, don't touch your leaves or anything in your flower beds till it's at least fifty degrees at night, because it's gonna kill the bees." I was like, "Okay, all right, all right. I accept your orders. I won't like. I won't touch them." (laughs) I I don't know. I don't do any yard maintenance anymore, so. I don't care. Least, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I care about the bees, but you know, I, it's not my responsibility. Well, I feel I feel like it's a little bit my responsibility in that I want to help the bees where I can. Um, you know, not to turn this into a whole different podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, the bees. But but uh, you know, while we're talking about nature, we have uh, right by our front door we have a nest that was built by a lovely cardinal couple and they have oh. some eggs in there uh yes. so that that's cool and then today so you cooked them and ate them right no of course not dude come on oh. don't be don't be a crazy person <laughs> <No>. sorry <laughs> <laughs> and then well because like that wouldn't be a good that's like a whole thing dude <laughs> Do it's fertilized, man. You can't eat, like that's like, what is the the thing from Succession with the bird thing? Like, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, I digress. We also saw like a lovely little box turtle on our driveway this week. I think it's like mating season for them. So you know, you know, do what you got to do, my friends in the animal kingdom. Like, <laughs> try not to get hit by a Volvo. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Can you tell Wait. we're recording this in the middle of the week and it's we're a little punchy? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I have a question for you, my friend. Of course. So uh, as we were prepping for this one, I was thinking about I was thinking about a lot of things, but the one thing I wanted to get your take on is there have definitely been artists throughout the years who have evolved. And, yes, there have been some there but just been really, prolific and have spoken to multiple multiple generations with kind of their signature sound if you will but then there have been other artists who have sort of evolved over time and have taken characteristics from like when they started in the 70s and then evolved into sounds that happened and were available in the 80s and into the 90s and even further from that so i wanted to get your take on who stands out to you as artists that have kind of evolved with the times in a way that really is compelling to you um the first two that came to mind for me were paul mccartney of course because he's been around forever and has kind of done a lot of different styles and then the other one was um was share because she again she's been around forever and has definitely embraced technology and all the tools that can come with it so what were a couple that that you thought of when i posed this question to you uh yeah i mean the first thing i want to say is that i think no matter how hard you try as a creative person you know musicians especially you can't help but be influenced by song trends and the production style of of the day um and I think there's a difference between, you know, just kind of going along with trends and, you know, allowing your work to to grow and change as the world grows and changes. Right. Um, you know, because no artist wants to become stagnant either. Um, so the first artist that I thought of was David Bowie. Mm. Because David Bowie went through... several different iterations and transformations that are all well documented. And he started off doing the whole glam rock thing, which evolved into, you know, the Ziggy Stardust persona. Yeah. He did more ambient and atmospheric work with, um, when he was collaborating with Brian Eno on albums like low, uh, which is a great album. Um, on Young Americans, he was very influenced by R&B and funk. And the thing about Bowie is he was always smart enough to surround himself with collaborators who would help him create the sound that he was looking for. Um, but he still was always, you know, unabashedly himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he collaborated with funk guitarist, Carlos Alomar. He, He he worked with him a lot and Nile Rodgers from Chic. Uh, In the 90s, he was doing uh, stuff that was influenced by electronic dance music. Sure. He seemed like he never wanted to ever, you know, stop learning new stuff. And I I always, you know, admired that. Um, And I mean, up until his final album, which was like released, you know, days I don't know if it was days before he died or days after he died. He was still like, uh, you know, plumbing the 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 depths of what what he could do and like facing his mortality and the music and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so so I always admired that. Um, a couple others that come to mind real quickly are um, uh, Radiohead. You know mm-hmm. they they started off as like a very very like set in the 90s alternative rock band and then they you know they embraced some more electronic elements and and uh you know they went way over to that side and then kind of like came back to using live instruments as well um and um you know Joni Mitchell has gone a lot of different directions too um from folk to jazz and um she hasn't recorded anything in a really long time, but in the early two thousands, she uh, she recorded an album where she re-recorded a lot of her classic songs in a mm-hmm. in, in a completely different style. You know, her voice was very different by then. Well, I like all those choices, and um, I think Bowie is like a, a fantastic example of that because he he was always true to himself, and then like took these new things that were coming into his purview and incorporated into them, into his creative process, which is cool. You know, two that came to mind for me, one was, um, and of course it it has a certain tilt just because of who I am, but like Billy Joel, when he embraced like creating classical music, I thought that was cool. Mm, Um, and, and definitely, um, you know still very easy to listen to still definitely like you could tell it was it was his music but very different from like his early day stuff and in a similar way kind of crows actually experimented with some like i i wouldn't call it orchestral or symphonic but like more instrumental music you know most recently with their with their latest album which i was always curious about and, and you know, spoiler alert, this is probably going to be a future episode, but we're going to explore, like, symphonic music and, like, how it can influence, like, other art forms, whether it's visual art or film or something like that. But, like, um, I thought that that's, like, a really cool progression for folks that, like, they still want to say something artistically through music, but maybe they don't want to do it in the same way that they've always done it. Um, and... The reason why I posed that question is because tonight we're talking about um, the 1982 album by Toto 4. And in a certain way, I wouldn't say that they are there exclusively, but I'm sure that they laid many bricks on the bridge from the 70s through the 80s, right? And how the music evolved during that time period. and I think we'll touch on it when we get into the specifics of this album, because, you know, depending on where your shuffle lands, when you're playing this, you'd be like, yeah, it's like seventies rock. Cool. And then (laughs) if it lands somewhere else, you're going to be like, Oh, it's like eighties music embracing all the, you know, all the synthesizers and symphonic elements that you can create. And, um, you know thinking about when it came to be and how they created it which is you know very meticulously i thought that was you know a good thing to sit back and examine so with that i think we should get into it so um dan i'll i'll, I'll give you the particulars right so this is the last album by the original members of toto when they were all together they're still active but they've definitely had a lot of lineup shifts throughout the year but this one um this was the last album with bobby kimball steve lucather dave Porcher, steve porcaro dave huntgate and jeff porcaro and like, those guys together were pretty great. I mean, it. they went through future iterations that I thought were, you know, fine, you know, with their later works. But this one I thought was really important to examine because it probably has their two most important songs on it. Rosanna and Africa, which we're going to get to in a minute. But Dan, tell me, did you know of Toto? Before this, of course you did, but like what was your initial impressions before listening to this one a little bit more closely? Before listening to this, I mean, I I knew of Rosanna. I knew of Africa and I didn't realize it, but I also knew of hold the line, which I didn't realize was Toto. I think I thought it was foreigner or something for some reason, Um, but I guess I didn't realize what, Kind of like, you know, hardcore pros these guys were, But mm-hmm. because like, they because they had this band, but they were also, you know, seasoned session musicians. A lot of them, um, especially Steve Picaro, the drummer. Right, um, right. So, in reading up on that, I was that was something I wasn't expecting, and in many ways, this whole album was not. <laughs> What I was expecting, Um, you know, based on Rosanna and Africa, I was thinking, all right, well, this is probably going to be a relatively straight ahead pop rock album from the 80s. Maybe there are some, you know, distinctive wrinkles thrown in. But there's actually a really high level of musicianship here. And some of the compositions are actually pretty complex and strange Mm -hmm. I think some of it comes off a little bit clunky to my ear Um, that could just be be a personal taste thing Um, you know on the other hand there are there are a lot of things to like about this Um, Bobby Kimball's singing is probably chief among them yeah. Um I love the horns, the keyboards and a lot of the arrangements that was that were going on. I think it's a really well-produced album. Um and I think that a lot of the songs have certain aspects that work really well, but they don't like it just doesn't quite get there for me. In in a lot of cases, but it was still a very interesting listen. So I'm I'm curious because one one thing I just want to post to you before we get into the details is like why do you think that they were less celebrated than like a band like Journey, right? Who definitely had their hits, definitely had some lols. Um and definitely had some turnover, mm-hmm. and I feel like people know Africa. That's kind of it, and then they, and almost like at this point, because it's been infused into the zeitgeist so much that it's almost like a pejorative to like have Africa in your show. It's like a joke, right? It's not like a, a <laughs> yeah. cool song when actually you know the intention when it was created is actually, like, quite, quite beautiful. But, uh, I mean, I couldn't really figure it out because I feel like these guys are as good as anybody when it comes to, like, playing and the songwriting and the sounds that they're creating. Did you... Is there anything that stuck out to you It's like, huh, I, uh, this is why they're not as popular as some of these other, like, 80s groups? Well, Well, kind of, because I think that, you know... Well, Rosanna and Africa are just as, you know, catchy and anthemic and memorable as any of the hits by Journey. Um, and this is just kind of conjecture on my part, but... Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, they, It feels like... This feels like a record made by a bunch of music nerds. Hmm. Like, just with some of the chord changes that happen and some of the just not very pop like compositions that are that are happening, I think that may be to their detriment in terms of popularity, sure, sure, because they I, I think they probably could have written a million Rosanas if they wanted to, mm-hmm. but I think they were more more focused on just doing things that were interesting to them. Sure. Um, Yeah, I think that's fair. And sometimes that just doesn't endear you to the public. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair because, like, definitely you get some... I mean, I, I think we would both say we were certainly surprised listening to this thing from beginning to end and both with individual elements of each track, but also, like... the composition of the album as a whole, right? I would say this is probably not a concept album, right? Probably not. Like (laughs) like some stuff all kind of put together with a bunch of different stuff. And um that's fine. And then when you get into each song, like there's definitely some like modulations and changes. Like, oh didn't think it was gonna go there. But I guess we're (laughs) absolutely yeah, yeah. Exactly (laughs) right so I think I think at this point we should probably talk about um, the two uh, bookends of the album, which are Rosanna and Africa. Which I think most of our listeners, um, well, if they did their homework, they would have listened to them, listening, <laughs> prepping <laughs> for this episode. But if they didn't, I'm sure they probably would have heard it. So let's start at the beginning. So Rosanna, which I mean, I don't know, from and like somebody who really loves '80s tunes, like. This has everything I could possibly want in it. Like, has a great vocal, has really cool um, instrumental parts of it, has some solos in it, and, I mean, I'm just going to serve this up to you, my friend, but, like, the drum part is killer. It's just, like, absolutely killer. It, it is, and it's it's kind of subtle in a way, um, and... It's not something I picked up on right away until, you know, whatever. I do my, my, my music, listening, watching YouTube videos, instructional sure. yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. whatever. That's how I entertain myself. But, like, dr- drummers, like, real drummers who know their stuff, mm-hmm. they love Steve Picaro and they love the Rosanna shuffle. Yes. yes um, indeed. And we're we're gonna post a link in the show notes to a video of, of uh the late great Steve Piccaro explaining how he came up with this with this little riff because it's it it's decept- it's deceptively complicated. Mm-hmm. And you know, would the song have been a hit without it? Eh, maybe. But would it have been as good of a song? No way. Definitely not. No way. Um, Because it does have a subtle effect on you, like the way this shuffle happens. Um, But basically, it's like, it's kind of a combo of the John Bonham shuffle that's happening in Fool in the Rain by Led Mm -hmm. Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And the Bo Diddley beat. Yeah. And Do you want to demonstrate the Bo Diddley beat? For, (laughs) 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 um,
1: (laughs) I'll let you do that if you want. Okay. (laughs) So,
0: so like probably the most, um, the most famous examples of this are "Who Do You Love," Mm -hmm. which is by Bo Diddley and was made famous by George Thorogood. Right, right, right. It's like, Yeah. 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 Um, And uh, it's also present in Hand Jive from Greece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's just a really it's just a really great song and. And deceptively complex, I mean, it's got that that kind of doo-wop section that comes out of nowhere that serves as like a pre-chorus before you Uh, get into that's my that's my favorite part too (laughs) yeah i love it yeah because you have you have the you know you have the verse and then you have like well and and this is something that i learned when i was like really listening to it closely the lead singer switches, but I was because like originally I was like, huh, hell yeah, that guy got some range." It's like, "Oh, it's two different people," yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine because like they're a group and they're doing it together, and I and and I love it. But then you get the you get that little pre-chorus, which is like very um, subtle and restrained, and then it makes like the explosion of the horn so much better, right? And it's that contrast, and it's the ebb and flow that we all love in all types of music right and it's it just works so perfectly in, in this song yeah i couldn't have said it better that's exactly what i was gonna say is that it it, it cools things off before you get into the you know the famous rosanna chorus that everybody yeah. loves to to sing out um but uh but but yeah, again, just like a very subtle, very high level of musicianship with this song. It's like you're getting you're getting all that like pop goodness, but also something that is really, you know, working on your brain and making it uh and kind of like making this indelible, you know, uh, mark on you. Well, and it works like perfectly with the context of the songwriting which is like it's great together and it's like ah we like I wasn't everything you expected and it like has that built into the music which of course Mm -hmm. is brilliant right Um, and like it's so easy to listen to I have a feeling that most people sort of just like gloss over the words and Mm. like I'm not saying it's it's Shakespeare but it is like they do, there's some linkage there, and I think that they um, they served it well with the music. They served it exceedingly well with the musical choices that they made. Agreed. The other one I think we need to talk about is Africa, which is probably the most famous Toto song, you know, not only from this album, but really from their entire catalog. And it's been used and film and TV and has been covered a million times, but it was really a lot of fun to go back and listen to the original. And um David Page is the one who, who is the, who is the primary writer of this. He basically was watching a doc- documentary about what was happening in Africa in the early eighties. And, you know, to quote him, It both moved and appalled me, and the pictures just wouldn't leave my head. I tried to imagine how I'd feel about it if I was there and what I'd do. And, you know, we live in a time and place where stuff like this is still happening in our world. And um, I appreciate that he wanted to do what he does best, which is create art and Make a statement about this. My initial impression after re-listening to it after probably the hundredth time that I've probably heard it in my life is like, actually, it's still a pretty fucking great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think we've just been desensitized to it because like a lot of things you just hear over and over again, and you're just like, oh, it's on again. It's like yeah, it's on again for a reason, because it's a good song, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but w- what were your thoughts revisiting this one? Well, first on that note. Yeah. You know, everybody just stop covering this song. You got <laughs> to find something else. You know, I'm sorry you didn't think of it before. Uh, you know, the hundred other people thought of it. So, you know, no more school choirs, marching bands, acapella groups, Weezer, no more. Metal band, um, metal bands. No, I, think I sent you a choir oh, and a metal band. Just to yes, show you, you the, did. The range of yeah. covers yeah, that we'll, exist in the world. Yeah, we'll we'll post a link to that too. So like this and and Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen just need to be retired. Retired uh, for covers. Um, but anyway, that, they're in the Hall of Fame. It's okay. Right. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it's really good. I mean, I've I've put this song on different like playlists I've made Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, the way, the way the drums and this, and the synth work together kind of gives this song like a gentle momentum to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the synth hook is, is memorable, you know, that, so that while that's happening during the verses, you know, it leads up to this, very simple but very effective drum fill before the chorus kicks in yeah, yeah 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 everybody loves it just like gets your it's like oh yeah now it's time yeah you know, gear up to start singing this um and um yeah it's just got a lot of really great uh textures and um sounds um that work really well together um, because you have the, the drums just sound very like organic. And then you got the synthesizers too, which, you know, which have that electronic sound to it, mm-hmm. but it all blends well uh, together. And um, you know, Kimball's vocals, especially the descants at the end, you're just like, all right, now you're just showing off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like all that's all, that's awesome. I I hate to just like turn this into a love fest, which is the obvious thing, but you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. It's just Aww. a good song. And if you don't like this song, then I don't know. I got nothing for you. We don't share the same worldview. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we need to like start a GoFundMe to get you therapy if you don't like this song. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. Uh, Ditto everything you said. I I would just like to make a like uh, a shout out because we've we've mentioned it, but like let's like actually talk. But Bobby Kimball's voice is phenomenal, like totally phenomenal in this, and it's like I'm sure other people could have done it, but again, it speaks to like the collaboration of the group. Like you're gonna have. All these different elements that are incorporated together in a in a really you know pretty amazing way. David Pachet wrote it, but you know he's like, listen, I can't sing what I think this should be, so we're just gonna have Bobby do it, and he's like, cool, <laughs> you know. And I don't I don't know if a lot of people would just do that, you know. So, and I think what's great about his voice is that you know, has the, the, the timbre and the brightness that you like about like those, a lot of 80s rock singers, but then it's just like easy and free. And you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm totally down with this. And, um, all those other elements are so additive to it because I think, you know, as compared to like a Journey or a Bon Jovi or a group like that that we mentioned earlier, like this is way more complicated than that. It's just not like a straight rock song. It's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it has so much more appeal to a lot of different audiences because it incorporates all these different elements to it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's it was a killer in 1982, it's still a fucking killer now. Like <laughs> like it's 40 years old and people are like, yeah. Like you put this on at a bar and nobody's going to get mad at you. I like, maybe yeah, like, maybe yeah. like the uh, 21-year-old would be like, "What is this?" But like I think for the p- places that you and I would go, we'd be like, "Oh, hell yeah." we <laughs> on there. Yeah, definitely, right? So sure. I think we hit the big guys. Um Some other ones that stuck out to you in a positive way. What do you got? So, um, one that, well, let me back up here. So, one that I thought was really interesting in kind of a weird way Mm -hmm. is the song Good For You. Um, And if I can maybe borrow an idea from YouTuber music youtuber adam neely who has a great channel. Yeah. Um the the song is weird because like the the emphasis of everything from the horn hits to the way the chorus is sung kind of feels off and you're like it, it like you can't really tell where the emphasis of the song is. Oh, it's totally it's totally off. The whole thing is fucking syncopated. The yeah, yeah, is on the offbeat, which is yeah. actually like that was on my list too because I was like, I don't love it, but I do kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And like when the chorus is sung, and this is this is the Adam Neely idea that I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. He he was talking about "I Feel Good" by um, by James Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this sort of concept, but like. I can't tell if the speaker of the song is saying, I could be good for you. I could be good for you. Or I could be good for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, yeah. I can't tell which one <laughs> he means. Um, and uh, it, like the whole song, just to sum up the whole song just kind of feels like you turned on the radio. hmm and the song came on and and what you turned on was like the bridge and you yeah. didn't and you didn't hear the beginning and you didn't hear the end of the song that's what it feels like yeah well i mean i'm glad you brought this one up because i had like a lot of thoughts about it like <laughs> the the syncopation totally throws you off but it's also like once you get into it it's just like you know when it's going to hit because, like, I don't know, I listened to this song probably ten times getting ready for this one, because I was like, I'm still not sure what my opinion about this <laughs> But then yeah. when you hit it, it's like, good! And the harmonies kick in, you're like, yeah, this works. Um, and I hadn't really thought about your interpretation where it's like, is it a fuck you song? Is it a I'm the best thing could ever happen to you type of song? Like... Where is my like um height meter on this song? I don't know. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah. And um those are all good I, I, like i I think when you when you're listening to new stuff, like those are all good things to have. Like if you're gonna go back to it because you're like, huh, I know like I have like a different impression of it every time I listen to it. I, I think that's a good thing. Um, i I, t- I totally agree. And where I come down a lot of the time, when I'm listening to new music, is if I'm not sure, I almost always come around to it. Because the reason I'm not sure is because there's something like unexpected going on that I kind of need to get acclimated to. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. Another one that I thought was important to mention, I think it's a pretty good song, but it's more important because I think it like ties us back to where Toto started. And you mentioned that, um, certain members had been like session musicians for a lot of years before they formed this group. And that's waiting for love. Cause that's mm-hmm. like a very seventies. Like to me, it feels like a seventies funk. And even like, I was like kind of walking around like with a strut when I was listening to it in my earbuds. <laughs> oh Yeah. yeah. type of song and like I like it but it is very different from like Africa as an example like it's like to have these two things together and frankly not that far away from each other on the track list it's kind of like whoa that's kind of like that's like two very different ideas that shouldn't necessarily be together but hey kind of works I don't know um that was one that really stood out to me. What any others that you would like in a positive way I guess cuz I think we're going to be picking nets in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um it, no, I had I had that one on my list as well like especially having you know recently done our our Doobie Brothers yeah, yeah, yeah. episode where it's kind of, you know, uh, blue-eyed soul whatever you want to call it like like white guys you know paying homage to you know black music that they like yeah um you know it felt like toto was channeling michael mcdonald who was channeling stevie wonder kind of thing um yeah Yeah. you know and again picaro laying down that syncopated groove Mm -hmm. that you need for like uh, for for a funk track uh it was, it was really good, and, like, Bobby Kimball's going nuts again. So, yeah, I enjoyed that one, too. What are some of the ones that were just like, uh, eh, this feels weird, or this is not quite my style? Were there any, like, because I think there are certain elements of things that you're just like, eh, I don't really know if that works. But, like, were there any that were, like, explicit in your mind that were not quite right? Yeah, I had a couple, and and I do feel a little guilty for for criticizing because it's like you, you can tell these guys are just like you know doing things that are just interesting for for them, um, but at the same time, you know, they're putting this music out into the world, and like, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, not my cup of tea, um, so the one that kind of makes me laugh a little bit is the it, it's a feeling that song Mm -hmm. because to me that feeling is like you're watching simon and simon and we're seeing gerald McRaney like sneaking around corners in a warehouse (laughs) to avoid detection by the bad guys yeah Yeah. it it, it feels like it feels like tv soundtrack from a certain period of time Mm -hmm. um from like a drama in in the 80s so like it actually works musically Mm-hmm. Like, if it was used in that context, like, it it'd totally work. But to include it on what is ostensibly a pop album or a rock album just seems really odd, and I don't know if it it, it really works. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. And I think, like, there is, throughout the album, there's a couple of tracks where there's a little bit of kind of like 80s cheese which you know kind of just got enveloped into some of the other stuff they're creating and I, I feel like we would be remiss not to mention that like this is their fourth album they were under a lot of pressure by their studio to have some hits and I think if this one didn't work you probably would not know who Toto was even from hold the line. Like, I think that would have been like a one hit wonder and you, they kind of want to want went away. So I think they took some pretty big swings and, mm-hmm. you know, Rosanna and Africa are, you know, kind of, I don't even know what to say. They're like in the hall of fame. Like they're, they're fantastic yeah, I, songs. Yeah. Like, uh, and then they took some swings with some other stuff that didn't quite work out. Like, um, the one that I'm thinking of that I was like, eh, I don't know about this one was um, Afraid of Love, was the one that was like, eh. I'm not, I, I, like, it's very like 80s cheese with like too much synth, too much kind of like ballad, yeah. swooning. Um, yeah, yeah. And just wasn't serving anybody very well in that song. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, I hear you. I, there was one song that I kind of want to ask your opinion sure. about, which is um, Lovers in the Night. Yeah. Any any thoughts on that one? I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate it, but every time I listened through the full album, I was like, it definitely made me pick my head up because I was like, where are we again? Like what is <laughs> happening? <laughs> where are we? <laughs> type type of feeling. I don't know. What 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 was your what was your take on that one? So like to me, this one kind of like encapsulates everything that's going on here. It's like we wanna be successful, we wanna have hits, but we're such nerds, we can't help ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so they like so they, like, do this kind of, like, you know, b- brooding sort of, like, uh, almost, like, cynical rock song. And then you get to the bridge, and there's all these, like, wacky modulations happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it really yeah. just, like, takes takes you off guard. So it's, like, maybe this can be a hit, too. But... When we get, but to we're the just bridge, gonna implore, like five different keys, so you guys, right? But when out. we get, <laughs> right, right. But when we get to the bridge, we're just gonna like change keys, because we can. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those were sort of my nits to pick. Which, I mean, it's a forty-two minute album, but gosh, it goes in forty-two million different directions. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely. Uh, It definitely does. Uh, Which, again, is not a bad thing. And I have to say, if they were like, if this is like, well, this is our last sort of shot to make it, and this is what we're going to do, I give them a lot of credit, because they didn't really mess around. Like, they did some stuff to do some stuff, and that doesn't really mean anything. But, like, what, what, what I mean by that is They took some chances, some of them worked out, some of them didn't, but I think they never really strayed away from, like, who they are as a group. Right, right. And, you know, with everyone being so skilled and kind of, like, very experienced at just, like, laying things down in the studio and stuff, they could have very easily done... A paint-by-numbers sort of album, but they just couldn't help themselves, and they had to like g- go in these go in these different di- different directions. It, probably just to amuse themselves, you know, or just let well, just to have just to have fun with it, you know. Well, that's funny because I I thought you we were going in a different direction when you said that because I was going to say like they totally just could have made like some like sugar pop rock fun album and in fact they inserted themselves and saying no we're not going to do that yeah you're going to hear how badass i am and and the outcome is what it is and i'm proud of that again speculation but like um you know i and i guess we sort of just transitioned into our final thoughts because like I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would feel very proud of this if I was a member of that group because they did a lot of interesting things and they pushed a lot of sort of boundaries that were... I think, and, like, if you go back and listen to Hold the Line, and I did I didn't listen to the full album, but, like, a lot of that music, it's like, yeah, it's pretty conventional. But then this one, I think they went a little bit out of bounds, and I think that was for the better, you know? Yeah, I definitely definitely appreciate the ambition, and, you know, the last thing I'll say is, you know, me personally, when I listen to music, there are certain things I listen to just because of certain characteristics that Mm -hmm. the music has. Like, I don't necessarily have to... love everything but i'll listen to certain artists because i like the vocals because i like the whatever the guitar uh production or you know some other some other quality um and i'll just listen for that one particular quality like i don't have to love everything about it to like make it interesting to me and i think that this album kind of falls into that category in, in in a number of different spots so well that's what, what I would say that is that usually, especially with like pop or rock music, I listen, my like top three char- characteristics that I listen to are, I listen to the vocals, I listen to the vocals, and I listen to the vocals. And, <laughs> and if they're not good, then I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, this one checked all my boxes because there's a lot of good singing on this one. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, I think Bobby Kimball, after like listening to this whole thing and and listening closely, I, I, he's underrated. Yes. Underrated. 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 I feel like, I feel like you could drop him. I think if he was like 23 years old now and you just like dropped him into, you know, this time and this time and place, he could sing just about anything and sound like great with today's music i mean like those r&b runs that he does in uh, in in certain spots something i'm not good at at all <laughs> um uh but yeah yeah definitely underrated yeah. for sure so i mean i i hope you enjoyed this one i hope our enlisters our listeners enjoyed this one i had fun listening to this one um But it's uh, your choice next time, my friend. So what do you got? So for a while now, Joe, I've wanted to kind of bring you into the world of Bjork. Okay. Because Bjork is a sort of a one of one, as we're we're fond of saying, type Mm -hmm. of artist. Uh, So we're going to be listening to her album uh, Homogenic, Mm -hmm. um, where where just a little preview, she kind of asserts herself as being her full, her 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 full weirdest expression, shall we say? Um, and I've always wanted to like hear your reaction to to her music, so uh, so we're going to be talking about that next week. And I have a funny feeling that you're actually going to enjoy uh, a good deal of it. Cool. I, I love you know. I'm just going to get on the ten meter board and jump into the pool. I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, We definitely appreciate all of you. And we hope to have you here next time. Uh, Please make sure to do your homework and and listen to some Bjork in in the coming weeks as you uh, prepare for this episode. And we'll see you next time. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.